0: Money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at TexasStarterKit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Texas RIAs meeting. Texas RIAs is the largest by far network of real estate investor associations across the great state of Texas with chapters in Austin, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio, over 100,000 members, participants, and attendees. And Texas RIAs actually founded way back in 2003. So it's been here for 20 years. Uh, My name is Phil Grove. I'm one of the co-founders of the Texas RIAs. And I'm going to be doing a little market update and some training with you guys uh, today. Uh, Texas Reads Real Estate Investor Association provides various resources for local real estate investors. Uh, a network, a community, private money, power teams, training, market data, and tools, and lots more. And we're going to go through some of that stuff here uh, right now. Uh, we're also broadcasting this onto uh, YouTube, Facebook uh instagram and a podcast so we're also broadcasting right now if you're wondering what all this uh, gear over here is for uh but we're going to actually start the meeting by talking about a market update and um what do you guys think what's going on in the market what would you guys say is the story uh in the marketplace what's going on interest interest rates interest rates they have changed haven't they uh, so yeah interest rates have changed what's going on with interest rates what do you think are they high or are they low High. who thinks interest rates are high raise your hand if you think interest rates are high who thinks interest rates are low raise your hand if you think interest rates are low okay well this is mostly a high crowd um, I would argue that interest rates are normal that's what I would say um, I've been a real estate investor for 20 years so I'm a full cycle investor i've invested in up markets and down markets and pandemics and floods and mortgage booms and mortgage busts and high interest rates and low interest rates uh yeah i've seen it all over the last 20 years and uh i started buying rental properties uh 20 years ago most of those rental properties that i got 20 years ago had you know six and a half to seven and a half percent mortgages which was normal in fact, going back 50 years six and a half seven percent mortgages is normal Okay, now for a brief period of time, we had freakishly abnormal interest rates. When you're talking about like 3%, 4% mortgage rates, that's freakishly abnormal. Never, never seen that before, right? I doubt, I seriously doubt, I mean, you don't know. We, we, nobody knows what the future holds, but it's highly unlikely that in the rest of your lifetime and the rest of your children's lifetimes, that we'll ever see that again. It's just, it never happened before. The odds are it'll never happen again, right? Could it happen again? I don't know, I guess it could, but I really, really doubt it. It's such a freakishly abnormal thing. So I would describe interest rates as normal, back to normal, and I'm kind of excited about that because a lot of the market is back to normal. And when things are normal, I think they function better, right, than when they're freakishly abnormal. Uh, Some of you were listening before, right, when interest rates were freakishly abnormal. People were buying commercial properties a few years ago and residential, too. uh, And they were hyper-competitive, right? People were buying them and they are paying too much. They were financing them with 3% mortgages and and the numbers could work, right? if, If the interest is only 3%, you can collect enough rent to pay the mortgage. And the numbers all work, but, but commercial properties, typically the loans are like five-year loans, right? They're not 30-year loans, they, they, they mature every like five years. So all those properties are now having to refinance and interest rates are no longer 3%. They're more like 8%, right? <laughs> a lot, lot different than they were, back to normal. But the numbers don't work at normal because they were hyper-competitively overbought at uh, too high a price and uh, consequently uh, now that interest rates are back to normal when they refinance at normal interest rates the numbers don't work and there's a lot of commercial deals that are going bad right now uh because of that and these are perfectly good properties and they're even fully rented in many cases and 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 the real estate market's doing pretty well and the economy's doing pretty well and the occupancy rights are pretty good and people are still moving to texas and having babies uh, so, the only thing's changed is they can't afford the way their deals were structured to refinance them at 8% when the deal was structured to work at, uh, at 3%. So, interest rates have changed and they're back to normal, in my, my opinion. I mean, it's just perspective. You know, back in 1981, does anybody know what interest rates on mortgages were in 1981? 18%. If you got a mortgage in 1981, the normal interest rate in 1981, it got all the way up to 18%. Holy to So for any of you that are complaining about 7.5% mortgages, it could be a lot worse. Could you imagine if interest rates were 18%? Holy cow. Okay, interest rates have changed and they've gone up compared to what they were before. So the next question to ask is what happens when interest rates go up? What do you think happens? What happens when interest rates go up? Home prices do what? Go down. Who thinks when interest rates go up home prices go down? Who thinks home prices go down? Okay, who thinks when interest rates go up home prices go up? Okay, we got mostly down and a little up uh, here. Uh, I would say they do both Right interest rates have both upward and downward forces uh, on real estate. I I can show you a chart going back uh, to 1975 where interest rates versus home prices, I think I have that chart in here, and I'll see if I can show it to you in a little while. Um, But what's interesting, interest rates and and home prices, historically, there's very little correlation. You'd think there would be because it does have an effect, but but not the way people think. Uh, Generally speaking, when interest rates go up, home prices go up. And when interest rates go down, home prices go up. So why is that? Because the truth is that home prices really don't care about interest rates. Uh, They really don't care about the economy. What they care about is supply and demand. It's the purest market there is, supply and demand, right? So things that affect supply and demand affect home prices. Now, do interest rates affect supply and demand? Yes, they push them up and they push them down at the same time. We'll talk about that. Uh, but like the economy, like when the economy crashes, what happens? When the economy booms, what happens? Not much. During the Great Depression, the Great Depression, right, the biggest depression ever, uh interest, I'm sorry, uh, home prices went down a whopping 6%. Nothing. Right? During, during, during the great pandemic, there's another 100-year, 100 one-in-100-year 100 thing. During the Great Pandemic, interest rate—I'm sorry—home prices went up thirty percent. Wow, two huge economic things, and 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 one made it go down a little, one made it go up a lot, right? And and it wasn't the economy; it was supply and demand, and it's always supply and demand. And so, like going back to the last big cycle went through two thousand eight. What happened in two thousand eight? Two thousand, two, three, four, five, six. If you wanted to get a loan, anybody could get a loan. Subprime lending. Right. The banks came up with this idea where anybody could get a loan, right? the stated income loan. Right? If you wanted to get a loan, you walked into a bank, they held a, a mirror under your nose. If they saw fog, you got a loan. That was the loan application process. And uh, they had the stated income loan. They literally would ask somebody, can you pay us back? Yes, I can. Loan approved. Yeah. It was the dumbest thing I could possibly imagine like when you put all the dumbest things ever come up with ideas that that's pretty high up on the chart and uh you know lending off the charts everybody got loans and builders you get money was free and easy and loose and builders borrowed bazillions of dollars and they built houses as far as the eye could see they built bazillions of more than ever right and and what did they do with all those houses they got sold they all got sold to anybody that could get a loan because everybody got a loan Right? So they had tons of supply and they had tons of demand, right? Because anybody could get a loan. So they gave everybody money to go buy one of those bazillions of houses. But then in 2008, boom, the banks went bankrupt and lending hit a wall. It didn't slow down. It's like a train that hit a wall, it just stopped, right? And so all of a sudden, no more demand. Right, nobody could get a loan. Right, so so there was all this supply, and the demand just got cut off like that and crashed. Right, the market crashed. Now, after 2008, you know the banks were too big to fail, and so we bailed them out, and eventually they got back into the lending business. But it never got back to the way it used to be. Like like these days, what do you have to do to get a loan? Turn over your firstborn. Right? fill in a 1,900 page application, submit blood samples. I mean, you know, a lot, a lot. So money got cheap, but it never got easy. It never got easy. And consequently, the builders have not built enough houses. Even though they built more houses, they haven't built enough. In fact, on a national basis, we are now suffering through a housing shortage. Who's heard of this? Who's heard that we're in a housing shortage? Yeah. And when you're in a housing shortage, we're literally, on a national basis, we have six million fewer houses than the market needs. We have a shortage of houses. We've got more people need a place to live than we have houses for them to live in. And that means there's not enough supply. And when there's not enough supply, that pushes prices up. So that's one of the things that's pushing prices up. And then we had inflation. Remember inflation? Now, most people when they talk about inflation, they always use negative terms, right? For inflation, inflation is bad. Oh, look at all this terrible inflation. Now, I disagree personally. I love inflation. I really do. I just have another name for it. Okay, I call it appreciation. Okay, because when all of your wealth is in real estate, that's where all my money is. Uh, we like, we love inflation. It's cool, right? We just call it appreciation, right? The value of uh, the the value of the houses we own. Go go way up, right? So that's that's pushing prices up, right? But interest rates are higher, right? And when interest rates go higher What happens right? It it becomes more expensive, right? Your payments go up So it's more expensive to buy a house and that means fewer people can afford a house So the demand has gone down Right so and which and that pushes prices down So we have certain forces pushing prices up and we have other forces pushing prices down right and these forces are fighting against each other and then when you put all that kind of in a blender and say okay so then what happened well what happened is the market is flat it's flat it's really really flat and I'll go through the individual cities but uh, the average sales price uh, in Texas uh, is uh, is up compared to one year ago 1.8% I call that flat uh, it's actually up a little, uh, but year-to-date, it's down 0.2%, less than 1%. It's flat. It is about as flat as a as Houston is flat. <laughs> it's flat. Um, now, each of the cities is a little different, so we're going to go through the uh, the different cities um, and show you kind of what's going on on a city-by-city basis. Now, the sales volume is down, so that is another part of the story. Uh, there are fewer buyers, and there are fewer sellers, which means the number of houses that are being bought and sold is down. So the volume is down, prices are flat. Um, You know, and another funny thing is happening with the mix. What is the mix? When, When you look at all the houses that are selling, some of the houses that are selling are new construction and others are resale properties, resale properties. Typically, historically, two thirds of the houses that are selling are resale and about a third are new. That's the typical mix. But at the moment, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. Two-thirds of the houses being sold are new construction, and resale is only about a third. Now, why is that? Well, go back to those interest rates. What happened? All the people that got those, you know, 3% mortgages over the last several years, they don't want to sell. Nobody's selling, right? Because if I sell my House that I got a 3% mortgage on I'm gonna have to buy another house I'd like to buy a bigger nicer house, but you know now I'd have to get a 8% mortgage on the new house I ain't giving up my 3% So there's a lot of people that really would love to buy a bigger nicer house But they're not right and that's keeping all of that supply off of the marketplace Right and by constricting supply. That's another upward force on uh, on prices So what's gonna happen? I don't know nobody knows what's going to happen. Um, we can give a forecast. I will say, um, I'll, 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 I'll add a little disclaimer, I'm not here to sell you anything. I don't represent realtors or the National Board of Realtors because if you ask the National Board of Realtors for their forecast, every year, no matter what's going on, prices are going up. They always tell you prices are going up. They, they always want to convince everybody, you know, that now's the best time to buy or sell because you know it's just going to keep getting better. And, uh, you know, we're investors. You know, we can make money in up markets, down markets and sideways markets. I don't I don't I do care. I own a rental property in real estate, so I'd like to have prices going up. But I, I don't really have a vested interest in trying to convince you prices are going to up versus down. I'm going to try to give you my honest opinion and uh, you can take it for what it's worth. I will say, though, that real estate is easier to predict than a lot of things like the stock market i do not believe it is possible to predict the stock market because stock prices go up and down not based on how well the companies are doing but how well they're doing relative to what they're forecast to do so you're you're guessing against a guess right and and it's virtually impossible to figure out what's going to happen in the stock market uh the economy i think it's pretty hard to guess the economy i mean there's so many factors that that it's like predicting the weather it's really hard to figure out what's going to happen with the economy now real estate on the other hand It's not as complicated because it's supply and demand. And when it comes to supply and demand, here's the thing. We know exactly how many people live in Texas. We know pretty much exactly how many people are having babies. We know how many people are moving here. We know how many houses we have. We even know how many houses we're building. So we even know how many houses we're gonna have. And we even know how many houses we're gonna need. So we know pretty much everything about what's going on in the market now and going forward. Now there's some little variables we don't know, like interest rates. What's gonna to happen to interest rates? I don't know, right? Now we can just kind of make educated guesses uh, about what might happen with interest rates. A lot of the experts are probably saying, we probably peaked, we probably peaked. I don't know, what do you guys think? Do you think we're, we're interest rates are, who thinks interest rates are gonna keep going up? Who thinks interest rates are probably gonna come down? yeah most of you would say down and yeah that's the consensus now we don't know some people say it might go up one more time the fed rate and then it'll most people are predicting uh 2024 it'll come down now i don't really expect it to come down much i, I think it's going to come down uh but i think your 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 days of 5% mortgages are done forget that don't don't even dream about 3% you know m- maybe you get a 6% that 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 may that may come back so Uh, And by the way, if interest rates come down, that's probably the only thing that's gonna affect home prices. Because builders are like two, two thirds of the mix, new construction, but now money's more expensive, so building is slowing down. And because building is slowing down, when they get rid of that inventory, we're not gonna have new inventory, right? Which will make the housing shortage even worse, right? And that's another upward price. So if interest rates come down, that's an upward face. If we're not putting new supply on the market, that's an upward force. Uh, You know, that would indicate prices are probably going to start to go up again over the next year. Uh How much? I don't know. I'd say a little bit. I wouldn't bet on a lot. You know, my best guess is things are going to stay kind of flat and normal for a while. I don't really expect big movement, uh, you know, either way. But then you never know. Right, if somebody drops a nuclear bomb somewhere, all bets are off. Right, and and, and the world can be uh, changed uh, very very quickly. But I kind of like it, you know, when the market is normal, things are normal, because when things were abnormal, crazy things were happening. People were making dumb decisions. Uh, we saw a lot of what I call lucky gamblers over the last few years. People paid too much, overimproved, made all the rookie mistakes, still made money because the market went up and saved them. Right. And that's great. Right. If, if, if you make dumb decisions, you'll get rewarded for it. But when you reward bad decisions, why don't, what do people continue to do right? they continue to make bad decisions? And then when markets become normal, kind of all those people get washed out of the market. And I would say if you're getting into the market, for those of you getting into the market, I think it's a great time to get in. Right. This is this is a much better time to get in uh, than the last uh, few years, in, in my opinion. So Texas is uh here's here's kind of the texas numbers the average price uh house in texas four hundred and eleven thousand up uh 1.8 median price 333 uh down 0.6 so it's pretty flat now this is an important number months of inventory let's talk about months of inventory this this is one of the most important numbers i look at when i'm looking at kind of what's going on in the marketplace what is months of inventory there's a couple of ways to look at that number um one way to look at it is that if you just stopped putting any more houses on the market, we just, whatever we got, we just sell it until it's gone. Uh, It would take 3.8 months to to sell off the inventory, to sell off whatever's available, 3.8 months. That's that's how many months of inventory, which is also, by the way, on average, how long it takes to sell a house, right? Some more, some less, average, uh, 3.8 months. Now to put that in perspective, let's put that in perspective. They say, if there's less than six months of inventory, you have a seller's market. If there's more than six months of inventory, you have a buyer's market. If there's right around five and a half, six months of inventory, you have a neutral market. Well, we are by any historical measure in a pretty good seller's market. So for anybody who's saying the market is dead or the market's slow, no, actually we're still in a pretty good seller's market. Uh, now it's not as strong as it was a year ago. A year ago we were in a crazy hot market, right? And before that we we're in an even crazier, hotter market. Uh, so it's not as hot, right? Relative, but by long-term relative standards, we're still in a pretty good seller's market. Now the volume is down. There's fewer sellers, fewer buyers, so the total number of sellers, sale, bought, bought, boughts and solds are 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 uh, are down a little bit. Uh, active listings are up, right? That's why there's more months of inventory. There's more inventory across the state uh, available. Um, now, to take this back a few years, in 2021, uh, prices went up in 2021 18% in one year. And then in 2022, they went up another 10.7%. Uh, percent. So we got about a 30% run up in two years. And then this year, it's flat. Uh, well, down 0.2%, which is, uh, which is flat. So, perspective, right? If you bought a house in the last year, you didn't make any money. Uh, if you bought a house three years ago, you made a lot of money. Went up three percent, right? So really awesome, just depending on when you bought, right? What your perspective is. So let's dive into some of the different uh cities. And we'll start with uh with with Dallas. The average price of a house in Dallas is most expensive city in Texas. And that's actually up 3%. Uh median price 398, down 1%. Uh, months of inventory, three months of inventory, doing a little better than the state. And we don't know why this is, but we've been tracking this for 20 years. And for some reason, Dallas has always been the bellwether of Texas. What does that mean? That means if you want to know what's going to happen next in the rest of Texas, you look at Dallas. It's always like three or four months ahead of the rest of the market. So I don't know why. I've never figured out why, but historically, it's always been the case. It always precedes the rest of the marketplace. And uh, inventory is dropping in Dallas, which means the market is getting hotter, uh, which is interesting. Sales volume is down, but it's only down a little bit. It's just down 7 percent. Active listings only up 7 uh, percent. So something's happening in uh in dallas it's kind of interesting uh now it's not as hot as it was a year ago but three months of inventory versus two and a half that's actually not that different right so the market's pretty darn good in dallas and like i said it's it's one of those interesting leading indicators kind of the bellwethers it's just like condominiums we always call condominiums the canary in the coal mine condo inventory you really want to know what's going to happen to houses you look at condos first Because when the market starts to soften, condos are the first thing to go. And they're the last thing to come back. So, man, if the condos are hot, everything's hot, right? You know you're really in a hot market when the condo market is hot. And and when the condo market starts to soften, you know things are starting to soften, right? So if you really want a really big leading indicator, look at condo inventory in Dallas. I guess that would be a really big leading indicator. So going back three years, Dallas was up 20% in one year in 2021. And then in 2022, it went up another 15%. Wow. Uh, And then this year, it is flat. Flat as a pancake this year. So perspective, right? If you bought a house three years ago, you're doing really well, right? bought a house in the last year, it really hasn't done much of anything. Uh, Leases are up a little bit, 16%. uh, And the lease price is up uh, 1%. So that's kind of interesting. A little fewer people can afford the mortgage, so a little more of them are uh, renting, renting apartment buildings and things like that. Okay, um, what else? Houston, here we are in Houston. Average price of a house in Houston is 404000 up 0.4%. Houston's the second most affordable major city uh, in Texas. Median price 327 down 1%. So Houston is flat. Months of inventory, 3.6 months of inventory, a little more than uh, Dallas and uh, about similar to the uh, state. Uh, but the closed sales is only down 3%, right? Not uh, not that much difference. Active listings up 12%. If you go back uh, three years in Houston, in 2021, prices were up 16%, another 10% in 2021. And then in 2022, it is uh, flat. It is flat as a pancake. Uh, Leases are up a little bit, 8%. Lease prices up 5%. Uh, They didn't quite build as much uh, multifamily inventory, so there's a little more demand there, and the lease prices are up uh, a little more than some of the other cities. All right, Austin. Austin is the outlier, and I'll explain why in a few minutes, but the average price house in Austin is $559,000. That is not a typographical error. And we did some research trying to figure this out. And what we discovered is Austin, the word Austin is actually Latin for San Francisco. Austin is the Silicon Hills of Texas. Uh, Elon Musk and a bunch of high-tech companies set up camp and they moved in, right? With a bazillion, you know, six-figure income, uh, high-tech employees and the market went crazy. In fact, in 2021, uh, the uh, prices of real estate in Austin went up 29%, almost 30% in one year. It was absolutely insane. And I was there and I remember there were months in Austin where we had less than 0.4 months of inventory. That's less than two weeks of total inventory, two weeks of inventory. That's how crazy things were. And what would happen is somebody would put a house for sale. They'd get 11 offers in a day. And and of course, only one of them was picked, right? And the other 10 got all mad. Oh, we got outbid. So they put an offer on another house and they get another 11 bids, right? And only one would get picked and and, and and 10 would be the losers, right? And the buyers were just getting so furious with their realtors. They're like, oh, I, I need a place to live. Just Give them whatever they want. Do whatever you have to do to get me this house. And it was normal that houses were selling for 5 or 10% above appraised value, which means the banks wouldn't even provide enough lending to buy the house, and the buyers had to bring extra money to the table to get the house. And frankly, I would say that houses were actually selling for more than they're worth. And what is a house worth? I guess technically it's worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. But there was a temporary hysteria in that marketplace that caused the market to jump up 30% in a single year. The next year it cooled off a little, but it still went up more than 10% the next year. And then this year it went down. So uh, this is the one market that the prices of houses actually went down, actually 9%. So depending on your perspective, uh, if you bought a house three years ago, you got the same as everybody else. It went up 30%, right? But if you bought, but in in Austin, it went up 40% and came back down 10, right? Versus the rest of uh, Texas where it went up 30 and leveled off. So it's perspective, right? Uh, If you bought a house three years ago in Austin, you're doing just as well as everybody else. If you bought a house one year ago in Austin, yeah, it went down a little bit and you lost a little bit of money. Uh, sales is catching up though. It's only down 4%. Uh, percent. The number of sales uh, units is sold. Inventory, uh, you know, 3.9, uh, you know, it's still a seller's market. It's the weakest market just because when Austin was going crazy, a lot of new construction, a lot of things happened and, and now Mar- Mar- Austin, <clears throat> excuse me, has, uh, has corrected. Uh, but the number of listings is actually um, really coming down. It's, it's, it's no longer, you know, uh, the sales are no longer like 20% lower or 10% lower. They're only 4% lower. And that means we're looking at this market probably stabilizing uh, at where it is uh, now. Uh, and then finally we have San Antonio, uh, the most affordable city in Texas. Average price is uh, 379 flat. Uh, Median price three nineteen, and that's also flat. Months of inventory four point four, and that's a little bit uh, higher than uh, than the other cities. Uh, and uh, uh, San Antonio looks kind of like Houston. Got sixteen percent up in twenty twenty one, another twelve percent twenty twenty two, and this year it's down one percent or or basically flat. So that is what is going on in the marketplace, and uh, it's kind of interesting um our best guess, like I said, is there's not any big thing that we can see that would have a big impact either upward or downward right I think the economy will probably continue to do pretty well. A lot of the experts are saying we probably won't get a recession if we do it'll be a mile one uh, you know if you asked several months ago they were expecting a recession now they're saying well maybe not right uh, interest rates, Probably it'll start to eventually trickle down a little but not a lot People are gonna still be having babies and moving to Texas and 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 that's where we we are um, So before I go on any questions on all this. Yes, sir The Closed sales. Yes, that's both new houses and resale houses. It's it's all houses. All right residential these are just residential numbers Dallas has always been the bellwether of Texas and that means for whatever reason, I don't know why. There's probably a reason. I don't know it. Uh, Dallas always seems to lead the market. When the market starts to go down, Dallas goes down first. When the market comes up, Dallas comes up first. It's just always been like that. And and I'm not quite sure why, but it's interesting, right? And and condominiums is another great, even better indicator. Uh, condominium inventory always leads by a lot uh, single-family house inventory. Other questions on the marketplace. Yeah, I love Houston. You know, um, I, it's funny. I invest in Austin, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and I teach people how to invest in Austin, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. And um, I, well, Houston should, and maybe is, the best market in Texas. And I do them all, so I'm not. I'm not biased to Houston. What I love about Houston is, um, you know, wild, wild west when it comes to zoning. You can build anything anywhere, right? So it's kind of the wild, wild west when it comes to zoning. Um, and that's interesting. It creates a lot of dynamics in the marketplace. You got the oil business. Now, it's not as dominant as it used to be, but it's kind of going up and down, up and down, which creates winners and losers and buyers and sellers, right? So, you know, turmoil creates opportunity for investors. Uh, and it's just big, right? It's a, it's a big marketplace, right? Uh, so all of those things are big pluses. Uh, for Houston. Um, but for some reason, I don't know why, when I watch people get started investing in real estate, the Dallas investors do just as well and maybe a tiny bit better than the Houston investors. And I don't know why. Um, the one thing Dallas has going for it that's kind of interesting is Fort Worth. And Fort Worth is kind of Dallas times two-thirds, right? It's, it's cheaper. Dallas it's, it's Dallas's kind of poor baby brother. So it creates another close-by market to play in, Uh, and Houston doesn't quite have that. Uh, But it's a great investment, Uh, Great, great time to be an investor in Houston, absolutely, totally totally agree. Any other questions or comments on what's going on in the marketplace? Was this helpful, guys? Yeah, I I consider the whole metro area, you know, humble and the woodlands, and you know, kind of going out in all different directions. Most people that invest as real estate, you know they invest within a a drive, right? I mean you know, within a commute uh of where they live uh Houston is well, of course, a pretty good commute I can't, what is, Houston's about three hours from Houston, I think if, depending on where you start and go, yeah you know, and depending on the time of day so but yeah, I mean yeah i I would consider the whole kind of metropolitan area to be Houston w- What about investor statistics? Oh, this so this is pulled from a number of resources a lot of this comes from the uh, uh um uh, texas a m school of real estate um they have wonderful state li- state, state- statewide state market data on their websites and then there's some other sources as well that's published by the national board of realtors um, we do update this every month and we publish this on our texas REA's social media website so you're more than welcome to download the latest data uh, anytime you want. Uh, and, and, and like I said, you know, the, if, if you ever get data from the, the, the National Association of Realtors, in my opinion, it's always biased. It's always bullish. They're always going to put a positive spin on it. And, and I, I, I get it, right? But I, I want kind of unbiased data. And the uh, Texas School of Real Estate, uh, Texas A&M School of Real Estate, I think is the, the best uh, source of data. Uh, Or you can just go to Texas Rias and we'll do the research for you, you know, if you don't want to pull all this stuff together. So any other questions or comments? All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. We're going to get into our next uh, presentation here. Uh, I'm going to make a quick announcement, however. So the Texas Rias provides uh, resources uh, to uh, Texas real estate investors, including market data, training, proprietary tools. We have over a thousand private money lenders in this network. We have power teams in this network uh, and we also provide uh, training uh, to the members. And um, I'm going to make a little quick announcement. Um, we have some workshops coming up. If you're interested, if you're a new investor, uh, we have some workshops. Uh, Texas RIA sponsors the Texas Real Estate Investing Workshop. And this is the same workshop, only better, uh, that these out-of-state companies will charge you $1,000 to attend. Uh, We provide it for free for members of the RIA, and right now you can even join the RIA for free. So it's a pretty good deal. Um, This is Texans teaching Texans how to invest in Texas. Practical, actionable, detailed, step-by-step training, where we go through all 12 strategies that are used here in Texas. There's things you can do in Texas you can't do anywhere else. There's things you can do in 49 states that you can actually not do in Texas. And knowing what those things are is really, really important. We teach all 65 marketing methods. We teach all the closes, which are the exact scripts that you use to close a deal. How to partner, which is a great way to get started. How to access 1,000 private money lenders. Uh, And again, this is Texans teaching Texans how to invest in Texas. The reason I'm mentioning this is because we have some workshops coming up in Austin, Dallas, and Houston. Uh, Pick the location and date that works best for you. And we have a special promotion. We're actually training this community for free. We do this online and we do this live and in person. I think it's gonna be right in this hotel. I'm not 100% sure if it's not right in this hotel, it'll be right in this area. Uh, We will have tables. We're not gonna be packed in like sardines uh, like we are for this meeting. Uh, So you have tables to write on and things like that. So you can attend in person uh, or you can attend online or even a combination uh, of the two. I will put this up later. We're going to do some training now, but I will also put this link up later. But if you click on that little QR code, it'll take you to this thing called Texas Starter Kit. You can also go to Texas Starter Kit. Uh, For you guys that are watching online, we have a big online audience. You can click on on the link in the comments below. And get registered uh, online. Texas's largest real estate investor association at TexasStarterKit.com. If you like today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at TexasStarterKit.com.